Ladies and gentlemen, a great pleasure to have Michael Brandt with me and we are also live on LinkedIn. LinkedIn live the first time for, for my podcast together with Mich Michael Brandt. It's really a big pleasure because I can say we are CX friends. We met the first time in UK several years ago and um, from this point in time we are always in contact and this is great. Hi Michael, how are you? Hi, thanks for inviting me, Gregorio. It's a great pleasure to have you here. You have really um, big, big experience. You are well, well known on the on the market, on the customer experience side. It's it's really outstanding to have you here, and thank you that you find time during the European Championship also to have a chat about My customer pleasure. experience. My pleasure. Thank you. And as usual, I start every uh, podcast um, in the same way. I would like uh, that you introduce yourself because you know better who you are than me reading from a list of what you did in the past. Sure. Yes, no problem. So, so I actually really started my career. I actually started my career in the airline business. I was there for a few years, but it's uh, the airline business is a bit of a professional roller coaster. So I ended up uh, changing and, and, and moving to... Uh, industrial automation with uh, ABB. I was uh, involved in the, uh, the turbocharger business and started off in technology transfer and then uh, spent seven years in, in, in Japan as uh, president of a joint venture. Uh, and that is really where I got to uh, my, my passion for customer experience. It was uh, amazing to see how uh, Japanese companies dealt with their customers. And uh, so we, we had a lot of really good experiences there. And then I came back and, and was involved in quality management and, and customer um, quality uh, and uh, was then asked to join the ABB headquarters uh, to be in charge of their voice of customer program and their complaint management process. Uh, and I did that up till uh, the end of last year. So end of 20, uh, uh, 2019. Thank you, Michael, and a great introduction. Uh, from my side, uh, one additional question. Even sure. if you said you did that uh, until last year, now you are really active under, un, under different brands. <laughs> and uh, if, some, if people are following you in LinkedIn, we see how, how big your passion is for, for customer experience. Where did, where did everything started with your passion for customer experience? I say it was in Japan, really, because um, the, the Japanese culture has such a focus on, on, on customer satisfaction. Um, we, we had many experiences there, which, which, which were absolutely amazing, uh, both in, in my work and, uh, and outside, you know, in, in, in retail. Um, uh, for instance, we, we had a, a case where we once we had a, a foot spa uh, that we, we, we had purchased and uh, we'd had it in a cupboard for, for a couple of years. It, didn't, it never really worked properly, um, but the disposal of electric equipment in, in Japan is very expensive. So we took it back to the store to ask them to dispose of it. And they insisted, even though it was out of warranty and it was more than two years, they insisted on giving us the money back. Um, because they said it was inconceivable for them that anybody should have a product of theirs that they were unhappy with. Uh, and this, this whole um, uh, culture and, and focus on customers showed me that it's absolutely possible to 
be customer focused and to be customer oriented without necessarily spending a huge amount of money. It's, it, it's really um, very much about culture in a company and, uh, and also customer focus and, and just the way of acting. And that was also very clear in the way that my Japanese colleagues within the joint venture, the way they expected us to act towards, um, uh, towards our customers in Japan. And so when I came back to Europe, uh, I brought this passion with me and, and got into this, uh, this relationship with customers and how it can be improved. And, and I think in many cases, um, we, we fail uh, because we don't do very simple things. So if you like, my, uh, my mission, I think, is to go out and to um, preach uh, the, already these basics uh, that can make such a big difference when it comes to customer service and customer experience. And I think I fully agree with you before starting speaking about wow moments and all these uh, topics that perhaps we can discuss later. It's, it's important to have the, the basics, right? And they, they need to work properly. In the pre-discussion, we also start discussing about trainings. And on customer experience side, I think there are quite a lot of opportunities to get a certification and accreditation, a certificate saying that... Um, that you are expert. And in some cases, it's about really studying for that. Uh, you are a C6P, I am also C6P. And in other cases, it's only participating to half a day workshop. Uh, what's your view on all these trainings that are at the moment on the market? I, I, think, there are, I think there are too many uh, certificates, right? And I think it must be difficult for uh, people who are new to the CX industry, who, who want to get a certification, who want to show uh, some professional qualification, um, and also for companies who are looking for uh, people to join them, to hire people who are qualified when it comes to customer experience. It's difficult for them to figure out, okay, which are the, which are the good ones, which are the not so good ones. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a problem. I think it would be great if the CX industry could uh, find some uh, standard, uh, some common standard, a little bit like as we discussed the CFA, um, that we could say, okay, this is the this is the industry standard for for customer experience. This is the qualification, uh, and then I think it would take away all that uncertainty, and, uh, and and would be a big step forward because I think you know then then we know what we're talking about. It's possible also maybe to do it in uh, in degrees, so a little bit like you know the the, the judo, you know the, the the belt system, you know, to start off with beginners. Let's say you know with uh, I, I'm not a judoka, so I don't know exactly which 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 order the colors go in, but uh, but if we're looking at let's say six sigma, you know the the, the belts. So starting off with the you know with the, with the white belt, the yellow belt, right, and 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 then going to the the, the green belt and the black belt. So we could you know we could. There could be something set up like that, um, taking into account, for instance, the experience that the person has acquired, how many years they've been in the business, uh, what kind of projects they have they, they've completed, and I think this would be um, a lot more valuable and, and, and also uh, say more about uh, the candidate than the systems that we have in place at the moment. So I think there's certainly room for for development there. 
I fully agree with with what you are saying. But on on the other side, also to bring a bit bit uh, other view on that, if there are so many trainings, so many certification, it means that now customer experience is, is getting relevant, and it means companies are interested in doing that. And for sure, not everybody has the most professional ones, but at least it start uh, it start a discussion. And we are also seeing in the, and as you said, in Japan there is another culture around customer experience compared yeah. to to Europe, yeah. and therefore it's important to progress and to have this discussion. I absolutely agree with you. I think you know the the, the more that uh, the customer experience is spoken about, you know, especially within the companies, uh, the better it is. You know, I, I think it's. Um, the more visible it is on 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 the C-suite radar and, and, and senior managers radar, uh, the better chance we have of developing customer experience across the board. So so yes, I absolutely agree with that. I you know I'm I'm not saying it's bad, <laughs> but I'm saying it it it's it's an area where we could improve to try and find some some kind of a, a, an industry standard. You know, perhaps. Sure, and and I think what I, I really like and I am always mentioning is the customer experience community. These are these experts like you and other people uh, to that are approachable that we can discuss. And um, and we already also had a discussion around some topics because I was asking you some some hints about uh, about what you are doing, and you were also uh, with with me discussing discussing some topic and some areas where we where where i have the expertise and i really like that and and then i am coming also to, to the next question and this is around this organization in the different groups and now we are seeing that the european customer experience organization is is growing quite quickly is yeah. is extremely successful and um, perhaps what what's the idea behind the european customer experience organization yeah, the European uh, Customer Experience Organization started off uh, in, in, in spring this year. We now have uh, about 500 members, um, so, so that's, that's really good. The, the ECXO was, was created to allow a, a forum where uh, European customer experience um, practitioners and professionals could, could come and exchange views, not just in their own languages, right? Because we have groups for, for each of the different countries, um, but also generally with a more, uh, let's say European flavor, right? I mean, um, there, there are quite a few different organizations uh, that are out at the moment. Of course, there's a CXPA and, and, and you and I are both members and, and, and that's uh, probably, you know, the, the, the industry leader. Uh, the, the main forum, but I don't think that anybody can can deny that CXPA is, is a little bit more oriented towards the North American uh, culture. And, and when it comes to customer experience, culture is is a, a very important part. And, and and so sometimes you know some of the the solutions that maybe uh, may work well in the in, in in North America wouldn't work in in. Uh, in Europe, I, I have some excellent examples from a, from a previous employer um, who, who had some ideas that they um, that they implemented in, in in the US. And if if you would have tried those in Europe, it would have been very very counterproductive, right? J just by virtue of, of, of cultural issues, right? And, and so we wanted to really create a place where where Europeans could could come together 
and uh, and really discuss issues and, and, and solutions with the European flavor. That, that being said, you, you don't ha absolutely have to be in Europe to, to be a member. So we have, um, uh, I think we have a, a, at least one member I know of who's, who's from Australia, uh, one from Indonesia and, and a few from the Middle East. So um, it's an open forum. And, and I think what I like really also about ECXO is that it's a place where there are a lot of different opinions um, but the discussion is always carried out in a in a respectful and a, a, and a civilized uh, civilized manner. So that's uh, I think that's really important too that people should feel uh, free to voice their opinion, even if it's a dissenting opinion or, or let's say non agreement, uh, without necessarily thinking that okay they, then they're going to get insulted or or you know this wouldn't be okay. And we, we have plans uh, in the in the future for ECXO to uh, expand our uh, uh, cooperation with uh, with some of the, the big names in the in the CX business um, as partners to so that we really have access to the latest uh, information and about uh, state of the art. Uh, um, theories, technologies uh, that are available, and also and also coming back to what we were discussing earlier, also um, offering uh, training programs also. So. Thank you, Michael. Um, and full disclosure, as you said, that uh, I am a member of the CXPA, but I'm also a member of the European Customer Experience Organization. And uh, what you're saying, I can uh, I can say it's it's really, really nice to follow the discussion and to see the different ideas, but discussed always in a respectful way. And I think it's, it's also important in Europe because we are living in Europe yeah. to have uh, something that has uh, European flavor because in the different continents, we are in a different development in customer experience. Yeah. I see North America that they are the leading because they are already some step ahead in, com in, in comparison to, to where we are. And uh, like also Middle East, if I think about Dubai, uh, I had a chat with, uh, with uh, Farhan Niyaz and what they are doing in Dubai, it's, it's really in future for us, sure. but, but, uh, but at the end it's, it's really important to have this European flavor and to understand who is working in customer experience in Europe, in our case in Switzerland, and, and also having this, this exchange, because at the end it's it's all about having the right connection, speaking to people and get and get the best uh, the best ideas. Absolutely. And as I said, you know, being a member of ECXO doesn't uh, prevent one from being a member of CXPA either, right? I mean, they, these aren't uh, uh, it's not it's not a competition. Right. I, I think, you know, we need to tap into the knowledge base that's available and, and these organizations allow us to, to do that. And I think that's important. No, sure. And at the end, it's, it's not like a soccer team that you have only one that you like, but you can be part no. of more than one. Luckily, I like more than one soccer team also. So. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it was really a great introduction. And now perhaps some, some topics around uh, something that for quite a lot of people it's new but it's not really new and we are speaking about customer experience in the business to business world yeah. and you are really a big expert uh, what, what's your view what are the differences uh, between customer experience in b2b and b2c 
Well, I, I think the, the, the first thing is that um, when you're talking about customer experience in, in B2B, it, you're looking at uh, trying to convince several people rather than one or two people about a product, right? So when you, when you buy something in B2B, uh, very often you have a whole purchasing committee uh, that's, in, that's involved. Um, you have supply chain, you have people who are operations, you have the finance department, right? So, so you have to really cater to all these stakeholders when you're trying to sell something to them. It, it's not like B2C where, uh, you know, if, if you're buying, let's say someone's buying a new cell phone, um, it, it's very emotional. And, and yes, they do their research, obviously, and, and look at the specs. But at the end of the day, it's one person or two people uh, making a decision. It's not a whole committee. And, and then also in B2B, very often you're looking at a, a product life cycle. So you, you really have to take into account, you know, how long the product is going to be used for, um, what are going to be the needs during that, that life cycle, and how long is its life, and what happens when it needs to be replaced. And actually, the, the moment that you have sold your, your product, you're also then should be concentrating on and how am I going to convince this person to replace this product with one of my products when it's finished and and so it, it, it's a it's a whole a whole process and that's where you know customer service and customer support really really becomes important in in, in b2b I'm not saying that it's not important in in, in in b2c but in b2b you know this this is what is going to make your name Right. I mean, I remember uh, sitting in on a on a presentation once by uh, somebody who was uh, representing a mining company, and he was telling a, a story about how uh, there'd been a service issue at a mine in in Australia, and within within half a day, that story had already been transmitted to their mine in South Africa. And then within, let's say, a week, it had already been transmitted to another mine in South America. And so when the service guy turned up to do the service uh, a week later in, in, in South America, you know, the guys were telling him, OK, and you don't make the same mistakes as they made in Australia a week ago, right? You know, word gets around very quickly. And so you have to really, really um, be careful that you... Um, you get things in, uh, in in perspective in this service. The other big difference, of course, is the volume. I mean, you know, if we're talking about uh, customer experience in B two B and B two C, generally in B two B, you tend to have a much closer connection to the customer than you might do in B two C. I mean, we're talking about key account managers. And we're talking about um, issues where if, if there's a breakdown the um, the person is not going to call a contact center he's going to call his contact his key account manager or the service manager and say yeah i have a problem i i i need you to come and fix it so we're also talking here about uh relationships uh which are also very important so these one-on-one -on -one relationships and it's why very often you hear of uh customer and supplier going out and playing golf together and, and, and things like that which of course wouldn't necessarily happen in the B2C environment, and very rarely, 
but in a B2B environment, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not so unusual. Uh, and, and so relationships are important too. And also if you're dealing with customer data, then also you also have different, different volumes. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're talking about Apple and uh, you know, doing feedback uh, research on, 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 let's say an iPhone, the, the kind of volumes of data they're going to get are going to be much bigger uh, than a company that sells, let's say, generators, large generators or power grids, you know, like ABB, where I, where I used to work. So the volumes of data are, are different and also the, but also the ability then to follow up with customers is, is much greater because you have that kind of relationship with them. So, so those are, I see the, as being the, the big differences between CX in the B2B and the B2C environment. Thank you, Michael. I think you, you mentioned really quite a lot of interesting topics. I am not sure that we can cover all of them today, yeah. but you are already invited to the second half of the discussion, <laughs> perhaps later. Uh, one topic that I, I would like to, to, to deep dive is you mentioned uh, quite a lot stakeholder management, volume, and, and the relationship with this key account manager. And nowadays we are always hearing on the B2C side, we have customer service. And on the B2C, uh, B2B side, we have this customer success team. Um, right. What are the key success factors for this customer success team? I, I think customer success uh, starts actually before you've sold the product. Customer success is about finding the best solution for what your customer wants to achieve. So, so the, the customer might do their research and they might say, okay, uh, they might come to you and say, okay, well, I'd like to, I'd like to order this. Uh, or, or they might actually come to you with their problem and say, this, this is the issue that I have. This is what I want to resolve. And, and customer success is then looking at the customer situation and proposing or recommending the best possible solution for the customer. I, I think this is what customer success is about. And then obviously supporting them once the product has been sold to, to achieve those objectives. Customer service, I think, is just the ongoing support uh, that you have when, once you've sold the product, or also before, you know, in, in the run-up, um, providing information and uh, but obviously you know in a b2c environment it's not as tailor tailor-made uh, as in the, in the b2b environment and i think that's the difference between uh, customer success and, and and customer customer service so customer success is, is really focusing on a specific customer's requirements and objectives and and, and trying to uh, proposed and, and, and ascertain what the best solution is for them to reach those objectives. Um, if, if I try to, to summarize what you're saying at the end, you said it starts before you're selling, it's during the selling, and then uh, earlier you mentioned it's also to sell the next one, sure. so the next uh, renewal cycle. It means there are also customer journeys and in the B2B world that need there are mapped and they are created. Is this Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it's interesting, but very often it's, it's your performance during that, you know, the life cycle that can very much influence what happens later. I, I have a story of um, one company that I worked for of a project 
that we had that we really messed up. Um, the specifications were wrong and, and the plant never really achieved the um, output that it should have done. And, but over the years, we really made our best efforts to try and, and get it right. And then there was uh, the, the, the project for the follow-on or for the extension of this uh, plant uh, was put out to tender and, and we bid. Um, but we figured that we had absolutely no chance at all, you know, in light of the problems that we'd had. And surprisingly enough, we were actually given the contract. And uh, so, so we went back and we said, okay, after all the problems that we had, why did you give us the, you know, the, the, the second, the follow-up contract? And they said, because A, you put so much effort into trying to figure out what the problem was and putting it right, first of all. And secondly, we knew that you weren't going to make the same mistake again. And, 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 and so, and, and so, you know, the, um, even when things go wrong, and I think this is the whole uh, service recovery paradox, right? That even if things go wrong, if the customer sees that you're really trying to make an effort to put things right, and I think this is something that customers appreciate, even if you don't manage, and I think this is important to, to know, even if you don't necessarily succeed, if a, customer see, if a customer sees that you have done everything you could possibly do to put a problem right, then I think customers appreciate that, you know, as I say, even if you don't succeed. I think this is a great piece, piece of advice, and this is also in the B2C world. At the end, we are all humans, we make mistakes, but the question is the willingness that we have to fix the mistakes and to empathize also, also with other people. Um, it's, it's really interesting, and it's, it's a bit of a strange question. I don't know if you have an answer, but my question would be, in the B2C world, where we speak about uh, Zappos, about uh, Ritz-Carlton, um, right. Southwest Airline as the best in class for customer experience. Right. What are, which companies are the best in class in the B2B world? I think that's difficult to say because you know, the industries are so, uh, are so different that they tend to uh, keep their, uh, their cars fairly close to their chest. I, I think, you know, there are some some big players, for instance, in, in, in the industry that I was involved in when you were talking about, you know, big companies like GE or, uh, or ABB, of course, or, or Siemens, for instance. Uh, these are companies that, that have excellent relationship, excellent reputations. Um, and what, what's, of course, important is also the technology. You know, customers are very often... Uh, impressed with, with, with technological advances, how much a company is spending on, on R&D, uh, what kind of advances they're making. And this can affect the reputation in, in, in B2B, of course it's same in B2C, right? But, but, but certainly it can, it, it can make a big difference in, in, in B2B. Um, what other companies have, have great reputations? Difficult to say. I think it's it, you know there are a lot out there, and and, and I and I think that we also have to look at some of the smaller companies uh, that that do their uh, their work in an excellent manner in, in on a day to day basis. And I, and I think you know this is a little bit of a pity sometimes that we tend to focus on you know on these big companies 
and, and, and there are small companies out there doing an excellent job every day, day in, day out. And I think uh, we have to recognize that we don't necessarily know who they are, but we should nevertheless, you know, recognize them and say, you know, great job. Where you're out there, you know, you're, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. It's, it's really nice to see also the parallels to, to the B2C world, because at the end, there are really quite a lot of small shops also during now, during COVID crisis, that did an outstanding job. Uh, if I think also next to us, there are quite a lot of small jobs, uh, uh, shops, you go there, they know your name, they know your, they know your preferences, they know what you want, they know quick, slow uh, service, and they ask also some question. I have a small uh, son, and they always ask our small son and no. all these uh, these these questions. And at the end, they don't have a CRM in place no. with all this information. It's everything inside, Thank but you. they are using it. And, and I think you're absolutely right when you say there are a lot of parallels between B2B and B2C. Of course there are, because ultimately, you know, we're dealing with human beings. And one of the things I've noticed, you know, um, over the past year or so is we talk a lot about data, data analytics. You know, people are saying surveys are, uh, are out, of, out of fashion. Surveys are dying off. Um, customers don't like surveys anymore. We should really be, be, be focusing on gathering data. Uh, and absolutely, I think the data has its place. And I also agree that there are a lot of surveys out there that, that are badly designed uh, and, and there's no follow-up and, and, and they shouldn't exist. But I found that if a survey is well-designed and there's a very, very strong process, follow-up process behind it, um, feedback to the customers about you know, what lessons have been learned from the survey, what's going to be done, that it can really trigger a dialogue with the customers. And of course, here again, B2B has an advantage over B2C by virtue of the numbers, right, the, the volume. But, but we found, certainly when I was at ABB, we found that uh, when we started our, our NPS program, um, it really created a dialogue with, with a lot of customers who said, oh, it's nice to know that we're being listened to. It's nice to know that you're actually giving, telling us what we've been telling you, coming back and showing that you've listened. Um, the whole follow-up discussions were, uh, were amazing in many cases because uh, customers felt that they were being involved also in finding the solution. So it was really, it created a, a bonding exercise. And uh, we had customers sometimes writing to us and saying, when is, when is your next survey? You know, I have things I want to say. And we'd say, well, you don't have to wait for the survey to tell us what you want to say, right? Uh, and then we had um, uh, another, in another country when we were talking about changing the rhythm and, and extending the time between the surveys so as not to annoy you know or, or, or you know the customers as they would say no 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 we, we want them because they, they, these surveys they always lead to uh, discussions uh, which are very fruitful uh, a dialogue and, and and so we really want to keep this framework so so done properly um, you know they, they can really bring a lot and I think as I, as I said we have to remember that our customers are human beings and gathering data is fine, but I think we also need to look for opportunities to maintain this dialogue with our customers. And, and this is one way of doing it.
Thank you. And uh, I think it was really amazing to, to have this discussion with you and uh, outstanding inputs. Now it's time to learn a bit more about you. Michael, I'm always saying Michael or Michael at the end. It's, it's the same as the German or the English one. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, no. Um, um, I know that, uh, that you have quite a lot of activities. And my question is, how can you ensure with this setup, with this COVID situation and everything what is happening in, in, in our world uh, to, to have a uh, satisfactory uh, work-life balance? I, I think that um, obviously now I'm working from home. So, you know, for, for the past year, so that's been, uh, I must say I've enjoyed it uh, very much. It's given me a lot more time to, uh, to, to spend at home with, uh, with my wife and, and, and of course also with, with my dog. Um, you know, I, I get to go walking with him every day, and 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 that I really enjoy. It's something that I that I couldn't do when I was uh, when I was in the office. Uh, I think that the um, that the whole work from home um, issue that, that has risen since the the beginning of COVID it's a little bit of a double edged sword. So on, on on the one hand, you know, people being able to to work from home, uh, not having to commute. Um, and being able to juggle things at home, uh, on one hand positive, on the other hand, it can be a challenge. Clearly, uh, if you have children who are, who are not yet in school age and you have to manage them at home, well, that's not my case. But but I I, I, I I can empathize with people who are in a situation like that. Not not easy to do, right? Um, but on the other hand, I think also again we're human beings, and and a lot of people like the social aspect of going to work you know of uh, you know, talking to colleagues face to face um you know chatting at the you know around the coffee machine uh, going going for lunch to, to to the canteen and so i think for you know for some people this was another challenge not being able to do this and being cut off so so but but we've seen i think from the the reaction to a uh, you know, customer to, to, to companies saying, okay, now we want our, our staff back in the office. We see, you know, how many people are saying, well, no, actually, I'd, I'd, I'd rather be uh, be more flexible and, and, and not work the whole time from the office. So, so I think this has been really a turning point, and it's going to be interesting to see how this develops over the next year or so. Um, are we going to see off, you know, companies downsizing their office space? and, and uh, saying, okay, we're gonna have lots smaller offices, more people working from home, um, or, or at least part of the week, and, and have then these hot desks where, you know, you come in, nobody has their actually assigned desk, but you come in and, and grab whatever, whichever one's free, and you just plug your stuff in and that's it. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see how, how, how this develops. It's, um, I don't think it's quite finished yet. It, it, it's really an evolution. And, uh, but of course, then, you know, companies are going to have to adapt also because we've been, we've been dealing with this now for a year where companies make the excuse, uh, you know, uh, COVID, uh, you know, people are working from home, processes are slower, you know, I think people are getting fed up with this excuse and, and companies are going to have to decide, okay, well, how are we going to work now if we've got people for working from home, how can we make the processes, uh, how can we adapt them? so that we get back to efficient uh, working so we're not we don't keep having to tell our customers sorry but covid you know i think this this get out of jail free card is is starting to wear out so uh, yeah 
Uh, sure, and I think we are at the beginning of the next phase and we are developing the next phase, understanding how the new way of working will be in future. Sure. And then the end, it will have positive sides, as you mentioned, it will have negative sides and, and we need to find to find the right balance. But at exactly. the end, only something that you didn't mention uh, yet was one thing is also the opportunity for a company if you need to hire somebody. It's not only in Zurich, but you can find uh, through the globe the best person for the job. Absolutely. Then it's, it's a big opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the remote remote working opens up a lot more opportunities. To uh, opens up also the pool of talent for companies. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the next question I would like to ask: Is there a book that you are reading, or you say this is one book that I would suggest uh, to the audience? That something that where you can learn something. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I I certainly think that um, if you're a CX beginner then I would certainly recommend Ian Golding's book, you know, uh, Customer One. I, I think I think that uh, his book is really great for somebody who's just starting out in, uh, in customer experience. It really gives um, them uh, a good overview of, of customer experience in general in, in a language that, that's very easy to, uh, to understand. So, so I think uh, that, that's a good thing. And then the other one is the, um, the book I, I think that you uh, also uh, contributed to very recently. Um, so, so I think that that's also good. It's a series, if I'm not mistaken, it was the third book in the series, right? And, and, and I think that's really great because it's the, the short chapters that cover various different topics. So in, in, in this book, you actually get a whole load of different views uh, on, on, on different topics. And so I think that is also uh, really good value for money. So that's, uh, so you can plug, I'm giving you an opportunity to, here to plug your own book uh, or you're a co-author at least. I, I, think, I, I think it's really a good initiative. Thank you, Michael. And again, for the disclosure, I did not ask Michael to say that. No, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't pay me either. So that's it. No, no, but Jen, I, I have read it and I thought it was a, it was great work. You know, it's a good idea to bring all these people together with their different viewpoints, their different focus areas. It's, uh, so it covers a lot in, 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 in a, a small and, and, and very, very uh, well-priced booklet. Thank, thank you very much for, for the feedback and more than happy to pay you a coffee or a beer <laughs> the next Welcome. time we, we meet. <laughs> yeah. if, if somebody from the audience would like to, to connect with you, to contact you, what's the best way to contact you? Well, certainly I'm, uh, I'm always happy to connect to people on, on LinkedIn and otherwise uh, they can contact me through my, uh, through my email address, which is uh, info at CX, of course dash excellence.com so info at cx dash excellence.com and of course linkedin also as i said always happy to connect yes and if you are not following michael please do that because it's really <laughs> creating a lot of value added and you can learn quite a lot michael has always the right story for the right topic and it's really outstanding to, to follow him and now we are coming to the my really last question and this is uh, michael 
golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or we didn't discuss that you would leave to the audience. Right. Uh, I, I think the, the really important thing is always to remember that customers are human. And we talk a lot about empathy. Uh, and empathy is important, but you can only empathize if you really try and put yourself in the customer shoes. Uh, I, I notice that very often, uh, particularly, you know, uh, talking about stories, you know, when I was working in the airline business, <clears throat> I, I was a station manager in, uh, for, for, for an airline in, in Munich in Germany for a while. And I realized that travel is very stressful for a lot of people. For some people it's fine, they love travel, it's not a problem. But for a lot of people, it's very stressful. And this stress manifests itself in different ways. And so they would arrive at the airport and sometimes they would get into an argument uh, with, with one of the check-in agents or something like that. And I would be called over. And it was always important to try and find out, you know, what is the, what's the problem? Why is this person so stressed? They could have been traveling because a loved one was ill or had passed away and, you know, or they could be traveling with two very small, a single, uh, let's say a parent traveling alone with two very small children, also not so easy, very stressful. There are so many different reasons why people get stressed when traveling. And so it was really important to try and figure out, you know, why people get stressed, why they were upset. And, and what the contributing factors were. And I think that's the same for any business. You know, in, in customer service, if, if customers are, are, are irritated or angry or stressed, we should try and find out what the cause is. And, and once we've done that, then very often it makes it a lot easier to solve the problem. Thank you very much, Michael. And as usual, I'm not commenting your golden nugget because it's Michael golden nugget. The last thing I want to say is thank you very much for your time, Michael. Thank you for having me, Gregoria, and I look forward to that beer. <laughs> sure, and also to the audience and our colleagues uh, following us on the LinkedIn Live. It was, again, a great discussion with, with Michael. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as I did, because I really like the passion that uh, Michael is spreading about customer experience. Thank you very much. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Grazie, ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!